I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. What do those words mean to you? To me, they say, thank you, America, for your strength, for your courage, and for our freedom, which has been a beacon to the world for 200 years. Of the United States of America. Whose bright stars are 50 states, each bearing its own stamp of individuality. People, 200 million strong. People who have come to her from all corners of the earth. And to the Republic for which it stands. A land of laws and an ingenious system of checks and balances that allows no man to become a tyrant and lets no group prevail if their power is not tempered with a real concern for the government. A land where the right of dissent and free speech is jealously guarded. Where the ballot box is the sword people, it's real. One nation under God. A land where freedom of worship is a cornerstone of her being. A land graced with temples and churches, synagogues and altars that rise in profusion to embrace all the religions of the world. A land forged by the hot steel and raw courage, conformed forever by the awful crucible. Civil War. Great liberty. A man in pursuit of an honest life will not be denied his chance. Where her citizens move freely within her vast borders without hindrance or fear. A land brimming with opportunity. Her freedom of choice is the guideline for all. And justice. The courts of our land are open to all. Its wheels of justice grind for all causes all people. They look to every avenue for justice, every concern of the law, and they temper their reasoning with mercy for all.
jobs that, that the White House has to begin to understand, and that's Renee Amore. Renee? Thank you, Don. I appreciate it, and thank you to my fellow small business owners. I just want to say I'm Renee Amore. I'm the president and CEO of the Amore Group, a healthcare and business consulting group out of King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And I have to say that I have over 50 employees. We have been in business for about 16 years now, and I'm happy to say that we have been blessed because of sacrifice. When the president made his comment last Friday about you got a business, you didn't build that, I don't know where the heck that he got that from. And to me, it was a reprehensible statement, and he doesn't know what the heck is going on in this country. President Obama's comments reflect just how unqualified he is to lead this real economic recovery. He really doesn't understand what it's about. This was insulting to me, and not just to me, to all the entrepreneurs on the phone and across this country. Mitt Romney knows that because he has lived it, he's helped entrepreneurs and dreamers start their companies like me. He has, you know, he doesn't um, practice the Chicago style economics. You know, he doesn't just give to, you know, folks that raise money or those kind of things. This is getting out of hand. It's out of control. As an African-American woman, a woman, people think I need to vote for Obama because he's black. Well, I've been black a long time, and he won't get my vote because of the things that he has done. While his supporters get paid off, the middle class like me, American, I'm suffering. I don't want to have to lay off people, but other people have been laid off. I am creating jobs. He doesn't know how to create jobs. He knows how to get rid of jobs. Over 23 million Americans are out of work and unemployed by having given up looking because they just don't know what else to do. The income and wages have fallen. I worked very hard. I'm going to continue to work hard. He's not working hard at all, and he doesn't know what hard work means. My husband was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. I am the sole breadwinner in my home with my child. So the bottom line, this is the bottle for me and all my employees. And so I need Mitt Romney to get in the White House. I am sick and tired. Damn straight. All right. Welcome to another fun-filled hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We've got history. We've got facts. We've got uh, news. We've got the current events, today's events, stuff that's gone on in the news today. Today's date is August 16, 2012. Old Town Alexandria is where I am. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Yeah, let's get this party started. I am hyped up, juiced up, and ready to go. <sighs> Triple, vente, white chocolate mocha, baby. Oh, yeah, from my favorite Starbucks. I'll give them a shout-out right here and now. Old Town Alexandria, King and Union Street, on the corner, the finest Starbucks in Old Town Alexandria. Well, in Alexandria, period. Wow, you can sit out and enjoy a fine beverage of your choice. Watch the ladies go by. Watch all of the fine Fine tourists coming in and out, spending their hard-earned bread on trinkets like, uh, you know, uh, T-shirts and keychains and Barack Hussein Obama, which are not flying off the shelves from what I've been told. On my show page, you will see actual bumper stickers, the ones I spoke of yesterday. Does this ass make my car look fat? With a picture of Barack Hussein Obama. Hilarious. 
<laughs> it is fantastic. I'm telling you right now, you have got to go out and get your bumper sticker today. Your does this ass make my car look big or does this ass make my car look fat? Now, yesterday, I got into, I got some emails last night and I got some emails today and I got a couple of phone calls from listeners far away saying, hey, Jones, what's up, man? Why are you giving Biden a pass on his dipping down low into the race deck and pulling out a a, a, a spade, pun intended, and laying it down on the table? Why are you giving him a pass? You know, yesterday I said, um, you know, I've seen this kind of thing before with uh, Thurgood Marshall and quite a few other uh, notable uh, speakers, politicians, judges. And, of course, in my own family where, you know, folks just get old. They just get old. Jimmy Carter's one. They just get old and they just start talking. And a lot of times they're saying exactly what they think, exactly what they feel, without any filter. You know, as when we're young, when we're kids, we tend not to have a filter, especially when we're teenagers. And then as we become older and wiser, we develop filters where we, 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 we think of what we're going to say, and then we process really quickly, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, and then you don't say it. But as we get older, that filter, that little bit of wisdom tends to go away. I don't know where it goes, but you become an old man or an old woman, and then you start saying exactly what's on your mind. You know, you've got the uncle, the old uncle, the grandfather. They say exactly what they're thinking without giving a damn. That's what I thought with Joe Biden, but he's got folks coming out defending him on the left. But he's got folks coming out on the left as well saying that he's an ass for saying asinine things uh, like the stuff he's been saying. Let me give you let me give you a bit of an example. Um former Obama campaign co-chair Arthur Davis went on CNN today and blasted Vice President Joe Biden for his Quote, they going to put y'all back in change comment. Oh, they going to put y'all, wait, 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 quote, they going to put y'all back in change, end quote, comment. Uh, Davis knows that everyone in the audience knew exactly what Biden meant. And it wasn't a metaphor for Wall Street regulation. Take a, take a, take a listen to this. What was the one or two issues that most disappointed you or surprised you as far as President Obama is concerned and caused you to leave his to leave his side? Wolf, I have to tell you, I don't have to go any further than 24 hours ago. Uh, when I heard the vice president of the United States, someone I grew up admiring, someone I've been on platforms with, when I heard him go to Danville, Virginia, and talk about politics in a way that no serious candidate ought to talk about it. When I heard him reach the bottom of the deck and talk about 
one party putting people in chains. When I heard someone that I admired and have been on platforms with talk about uh, ordinary conservative principles as being essentially racial uh, viciousness, because that's the allegation he was making yesterday, uh, I was disappointed by it, but I have to tell you, it brought back memories to me. It brought back memories of these Democratic politicians in the South who think they can go before black crowds and say one thing, that nobody else will hear it, and that they can somehow get a cheer in the room, and that they can blithely go on about their business. That's not the way you can do politics anymore because of the media, and I think Vice President Biden, I hope Vice President Biden, learned an important lesson. You can't say one thing to a certain kind of people thinking nobody else is hearing you. Well, there were TV cameras there. I assume he, he knew that uh, everyone would be watching an event like this. It wasn't uh, simply a closed-door event, but uh, what, the, what the campaign, the Obama campaign says is he was simply referring to what Republicans have said, that they want to, quote, unshackle big business in the United States and get rid of many of the regulations, and he was responding to that. Uh, does that make sense to you? Wolf, I know that's the spin and it's creative. I'll give him credit for creativity. But I happen to have spoken to a few African-American audiences in my time, uh, represented predominantly African-American district. Uh, I know what Joe Biden was doing yesterday. And every black person in that room knew who the y'all was. They knew what the chains were about. They knew what the metaphor was. And I will give that audience credit. If you listen to a tape of that audience, you actually hear what appear to be booze or what appears to be shocked from some people in that audience. That says a lot that is very good about people in that audience, that when Joe Biden went to a place he never should have gone, that instead of getting the cheers he just knew he'd get, he got a negative reaction from a lot of the African Americans in the room. That doesn't lift up Joe Biden or excuse his comments, but it says something positive about people in that audience. Well, let me just be, be precise before we move on. What are you saying that this represents, this underscores, as far as the vice president is concerned? It's a divisive tactic that's insulting to African-Americans. It's insulting to the American people. It's an insult to the legacy that he used to build up as an orator who knew how to inspire people instead of strike fear in people's hearts. And it ought to embarrass President Obama. President Obama has talked so movingly about our country moving beyond race and his own vice president makes this kind of comment yesterday. It was wrong and the president ought to be embarrassed by it, and the president ought to say it was wrong. All right. Davis couldn't be more right about this. Because those of us from and in the South have seen the exact sort of Democrat snake that Davis is talking about. The region is infested with them. We need to see a lot more Arthur Davises in the campaign, on the campaign trail, and on talk shows. He's a one-man army against the Obama campaign. Now, regarding Biden, Davis added, and I quote, every black person in that room knew who the y'all were, end quote. <sighs> they knew what the chains were. The fact is, Biden's statement about change was one of his few non-gaffes of the week. He knew exactly what he was saying. This was a racial dog-whistling language intended to stir up hatred and fear and divisiveness that Obama said 
just the other day, uh, he's not trying to divide America. He's trying to bring America together. This good this is good news. And the good news is that o- the Obama Biden campaign of hate isn't fooling anybody. Former Governor uh, Doug Wilder went on Fox early today. Well, later today. And also called out Biden. Now, Wilder Wilder says uh, that slavery is, quote, nothing to joke about, end quote. Now, as a lot of you know, Douglas Wilder was the first black uh, governor of the great state of Virginia. Let's take a listen to what Governor Wilder has to say, who, ironically... What did you make of what the vice president said? Well, first of all, it's divisive and certainly uncalled for. I don't think the Obama administration needs that at this time. And as you know, I've not been the most uh, strong supporter of uh, Joe Biden. And and yet we all know he's gaff-prone. But when you make a statement that says, they are going to put y'all back in chains, which means I'm okay. Not going to happen to me. And they, well, that's you know, interesting. We, I, yeah, yeah. We, we'll work it. We'll work through it. But y'all will be in chains. Now, the slavery is nothing to joke about. And the the history of this nation's involvement with his, uh, with slavery is nothing to pass off in a joke. And and so let's give him the benefit of the doubt by saying, well, he didn't mean all of that, and his apologists are already out there saying it. But you can't continue to make gaffe after gaffe after gaffe and to believe that it's going to be supportive of what you and the president are both trying to do. All right, now, Douglas Wilder. You know, he's a Democrat, and of course, I spent a lot of time in the great state of Virginia as a United States Marine. And I have a great amount of respect and admiration for Douglas Wilder, not because he was the first black governor of the great state of Virginia, which I love, a, a state I truly love. I'd, not because of that, but because he's a, he's a role model in so many other ways. You know, governor, I don't give a damn about that. The first black governor of the state of Virginia means nothing to me. But the fact that he's an upstanding citizen, educated man, who made something of his life is a beacon. He is a beacon of hope for a lot of young men out there uh, who are who are looking for uh, you know good role models. So now let's take a listen to Barack Hussein Obama, who is responding to this idea that he is. Dividing America. Oh, no. Not you. Not you, Barack. Come on. That's crazy. Speaking of negativity, of course, what happens when you have a campaign? Romney just accused you of running a campaign of hate and anger. How do you react to that? How do you respond to that? Well, Nancy, you've been on the campaign trail with me for a day and a half, and this is pretty typical of uh, what we do. We're going around the country talking about how do we put people back to work, how do we improve our schools, how do we make sure that uh, we're producing American energy, how do we uh, lower our debt 
in a responsible way. And I don't think you or anybody who, who's been watching me campaign would suggest that uh, in any way uh, you know, we have uh, you know, tried to divide the country. We've always tried to bring the country together. All right. Now, dude actually sat there. President Obama actually sat there with sort of a straight face and said that he's tried to bring the country together. Let's see. How's he done that? Well, uh, fat cat bankers, uh, millionaires and billionaires, us against them, the middle class against the rich, white against black, rich against poor, pay your fair share. If you've got a business, you didn't build that. At a certain point, I do believe you made enough money. Blah, 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 wah, 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 wah. That's all we hear from Barack Hussein Obama. Nothing but divisive, divisive, derisive, and dismissive tactics. The guy, you know what? The guy is the damn, he is a, he may not be the Antichrist, but he for sure damn is America's Antichrist. Damn. Damn. All right, so let's take a short break. We'll come right back. We have a call on the line. We'll take our call. As soon as we come right back, hey, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, C. Robert Jones. understands that jobs must come from growth in a vibrant and vital system of free enterprise. I'm so proud of our system of government, of our free enterprise, where our incentive system and our men who head our big industries are willing to get up at daylight and work till midnight to offer employment and create new jobs for people. I have faith in America. Through our system of democracy and free enterprise, the United States has achieved remarkable, unbelievable progress. Small business is the gateway to opportunity for those who want a piece of the American dream. But wouldn't it be nice to hear a little more about the forgotten heroes of America? Those who create most of our new jobs, like the owners of stores down the street, the faithfuls who support our churches, synagogues, schools, and communities, the brave men and women everywhere who produce our goods, feed a hungry world, and keep our families warm while they invest in the future to build a better America. That's where miracles are made, not in Washington, D.C. If you've been successful, you, don't, you didn't get there on your own. You, you didn't get there on your own. I, I'm always struck by people who think, well, it must be because I was just so smart. Because if you got a business, that you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. There is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You built a factory out there, good for you. But I want to be clear, you moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. When you do well, everyone else does well. And I promise you this, I will never 
demonize you as business leaders and business owners. The work you do or the opportunities that you create because I think we should not be blaming you, we should be thanking you. Don't miss The Situation Report with Doc Jones. The Sit Rep is information and entertainment packed into one short hour. It happens fast, so don't miss it. BlogTalkRadio.com slash the dash situation dash report. And we are back. Good evening. Welcome. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Before we take our call, I want to get this out in the open right here and now. Those who believed in 2008 that Obama's off-the-cuff spread-the-wealth-around line was indicative of his real socialistic intentions, rather than simply a poor word choice, well, you can now relax. The president has finally clarified things this time with the benefit of a script so that at last we can understand his true plans. As it turns out, his remark to Joe the plumber was merely a gaffe after all. For we now know that when he said, quote, spread the wealth, end quote, what he really meant was, quote, share the prosperity, end quote. See the difference? No. No? Then allow me to unpack it for you. Quote, spread the wealth around, end quote, sounded like the casual remark of a tone-deaf authoritarian. Someone used to speaking to rooms full of like-minded leftists. The problem lays chiefly in the word spread. So impersonal, isn't it? It gives the impression that someone... Obama obviously meant government, to just forcibly disperse the successful citizens' property to other just willy-nilly. Government will spread your wealth around, aside from completely idle-minded entitlement uh, bestowed slugs. What America, what what American? What American would approve of uh, reconfiguring America in accordance with such a principle? Now, recently, Spike Lee went on to say that Obama will pretty much do whatever he wants in a second term. He'll pretty much do whatever he wants. Last I checked, um, uh... Isn't uh, isn't isn't Spike Lee you know wealthy? Doesn't he have a little money on him? Uh, is he not concerned that perhaps his wealth will be uh, redistributed? <laughs> I mean, if you're a rich guy, maybe you're a little bit concerned. That when Obama starts talking about spreading the wealth, 
perhaps he's talking about yours too, Mr. Lee. Maybe, you know, grab those tickets you've got to the Knicks game where you're sitting out front, or is it the, 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 I don't know where the hell you're sitting, but you're sitting courtside. Maybe you don't need those courtside tickets. Give them up. We're going to spread those tickets around. Let's take our call. Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Hello, C. Jones. Oh, there she is. it again. Hey, Maze. What's up, girl? Oh, nothing. I just called to talk about Biden. Well, talk about and it. And what he should tell you Republicans that's mm-hmm. complaining and worried about what he said. Because that's, that's just like Sarah Palin. It's uh-huh. just like uh, Cheney said, she was not qualified. <laughs> yeah. Y'all. Y'all. She, said she was not qualified. So, so let me said, tell you what Biden said. You go ahead. I'm going to show you what he said. Mm-hmm. Privatiza- privatization. Mm-hmm. State rights. Yeah. With no rights. Mm-hmm. So this is where we started from. So that's what the Republican motto is. State rights. Right. And right. suppress the, 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 the vote. Uh-huh. Keep people from voting. Because everybody should have the right to vote. You know, but they stumbling block everyone on the states and Republican governors in it. That's what the problem is when it comes to voting. Have you heard um, uh, Mays of what he term... should tell them where to go jump? Mm-hmm. Have you heard, Mays, the term angry black man? No. Okay, well, there's a phrase, there's a term in the black community. Where did that come from? Called the angry black man. And, uh, and, and apparently MSNBC thinks that Romney is engaging in, quote, niggerization in Obama by calling him angry. He is. Let's he's trying to l- make people think he's angry, but let's, he's let's not take, an angry person. Let's take a listen. is the one that's yeah, angry yeah. and, and let's confused. Take a li- Maze, Maze, let's okay. take a listen, hon. I don't need to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. So, in addition to Romney's whiteboard Medicare antics, he's also out with a new attack line on the president that he's been reiterating. Let's take a listen. His campaign and his surrogates have made wild and reckless accusations that disgrace the office of the presidency. This is what an angry and desperate presidency looks like. Mr. President, take your campaign of division and anger and hate back to Chicago. Woo! Take it back to Chicago, that anger and hate. Um, So when I listen to that, to me the words seem sort of loaded, but I wanted to get you all thoughts. Tori, what did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that really bothered me. You notice he says anger twice. He's really trying to uh, use racial coding and and access some some really deep stereotypes about the angry black man. Um, This is part of the playbook against Obama, the otherization, he's not like us. I know it's a heavy thing to say, I don't say it lightly, but this is niggerization. You are not one of us, and that you are like the scary black man who we've been trained to fear. And the idea of, of locating anger around Barack Obama just doesn't fit with who he is and who he has trained himself to be, going back to high school, training himself to be no drama Obama. So, so who are they talking to then here? Well, but they're talking to people who are trained to hate him, who want to hate him. Mm-hmm. It's a base turnout election, so this is how we can rev up the base to work against Let him. Let me get this straight, just so I have this straight. In addition to calling Mitt Romney something of a racist and the whole of the base as racist, Joe Biden makes a racially charged comment, which you and many others on the left called divisive. Mitt Romney comes out, calls that comment divisive, but because he used the word angry, now his is the racially charged comment. Do you see how dishonest that is? 
Well, you know, I didn't call anybody racist, right? Because I don't want to deal with that. It's a bit oh, too much. But I'm saying that he's working that with Mitt Romney the, and the base will respond to this dog whistle, race, racially charged coding and hate Obama, the angry black man. The, the GOP has been working with so irresponsible the Trey. GOP has been working with racial codes going back to Reagan and perhaps before. I mean, going back to Nixon with the war on drugs, Reagan with the welfare queens, uh, the first Bush with the uh, Willie Horton. I mean, this is typical Lee Atwater politics, Karl Rove politics. This is typical Republican Again, so then playbook. the whole of the party, the whole of the party uses he's this racial code. I mean, he's oh, he not, just did. He's not saying well, that, I mean, but he is this calling is, out this is, yeah, but this is not a revolutionary comment. This is a constituency all-white party that rejects the black you vote. You have two white guys in Joe Biden and Mitt Romney. Joe Biden made the overtly racial comment and has a history of making bigoted remarks. Mitt Romney was responding to that comment, and yet he is the one responsible for the whole Republican history but of racism no, in no, politics. That's not what Tory's he, saying. He's using, no, he can speak for no, himself. No, but he's using the playbook that Republicans have been using for decades now. And I, I was just in waiting to no, I mean, this is not my view. This has been laid out fact. by, okay, by many, it. many scholars. I, I would just suggest there is. First of all, S.E. Cup in Norwood, Ohio. The, um, no, no, no. S.E. Cup, the person who was defending um, Mitt Romney, is hot, like fire. And if she wasn't like 25 years younger than me, maybe, and gay, I would probably, you know, catch up to her, you know, next February or at the, uh, <laughs> at CPAC, because, uh, you know, like I, like I, corm like when I cornered uh, Ann Coulter, but uh, she was kind of busy, so, you know, my flirting with Ann kind of got cut short, but uh, Essie is hot, it must be the glasses. Now, one more thing. Let's catch up with Jesse Jackson's daughter, Santita, or Santita, Santia, who I think is dumb as a box of rocks. I have called into her show on WVON many times in Chicago and had to set her straight. Comments like uh, where the Klan was first born where the Klan first started out. She said it was someplace in Indiana, Monroe. And, of course, I had to call her and tell her it's Pulaski, Tennessee. But, you know, she needed to put it out there. And that wig she's wearing right now is outrageous. But let me just say this. We're going to go ahead and listen to see what Jesse Jackson's daughter has to say about this whole Biden thing. They're coming out. But first, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Angry black man. Niggerization. Does the fact that I got angry the other day with someone who almost smashed into my car because they were tweeting or texting or something, does that mean that I was niggerized? Was I niggerized when I whenever I become agitated or upset? Am I niggerized? Do we have niggerization? Now let me ask my let me ask my caller here. What's that? Maze. What? You're married, aren't you? Yes, I am. When your husband gets mad, 
that. When your husband gets mad, he niggerized. He doesn't get mad. Is there niggerization going on? Excuse me? Is there niggerization? I guess he's going to make me say he gets mad. He doesn't get mad. So you, I can't even no. go with you there. Well, you remember when um, when Howard yeah. Dean was running for president? Hey, Mace, do you know any black people who get mad? Yes, I know some who get upset. They niggerized? It depends on what upset them. Okay, let's take a listen. Hold on there, Maze. Let's take a listen to some niggerization. (laughs) What Trey was talking about. I mean, I'm not. I have a poll officer certificate, so I can go inside. No, no, no. I think it might be a little bit intimidating that you have a stick in your hand. That's why, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm an attorney. I mean, that's a weapon, so that's why I'm a little worried. The Department of Justice went after those new Black Panthers, won the case, and was ready to talk sentencing. When suddenly, under the new leadership of Eric Holder, someone at the DOJ made the call to drop the case. King Samir Shabazz is the new Black Panther Party's Philadelphia leader. This new Panther version of Black Power does not include white participation. I hate white people. All of them. Every last iota of a cracker, I hate it. We didn't come out here to play today. There's too much serious business going on in the black community to be out here sliding through South Street with white, dirty, cracker whore on our arm, and we call ourselves black men with African garb on. What the hell is wrong with you, black man? You had a doom day with a white girl on your damn arm. You want freedom? You're going to have to kill some crackers. You're going to have to kill some of their babies. I think we were... T- <laughs> Niggerization, baby. These guys are niggerized. Now, when Trey on MSNBC was talking about niggerization, there you have it. There you have it. All right. (laughs) Look at their budget and what they're proposing. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. He said he's going to do nothing. All right. Notice how Joe Biden, if you've seen the video, he gets up and he's standing at the pulpit, you know, kind of doing an imitation of a black preacher. And he's got... He, he's going to put y'all back in chains. And he's got his arm up and he's like preaching, preaching to the niggers, preaching to the black folk in the choir. Y'all, they're going to put y'all back in chains. Y'all, you niggers. Why ain't you just call him that? Why ain't you just say you niggers are going to, they're going to put you niggers back in chains and call you a bunch of niggers. Why ain't you just say that? Let's listen to Santita, whom I can't stand, by the way. But, hey, let's listen to what she has to say. This man stereotypes, and I don't know what's in Biden's heart, but the Democrat Party, liberals in the party say that the party's supposed to be about protecting certain types of classes and race. Basically, Sean, they're doing race baiting. And for Biden to actually go to a predominantly African-American audience, change his cadence, 
and say, you're going to put y'all back in chains, basically is saying, look, black people, the government took you from the southern plantation to the federal plantation, so if you don't vote for Barack Obama, yeah. you won't get that free government check. Now, we've shown this change in cadence and speech delivery. Uh, Hillary Al Gore, they don't want to count you in the census. He goes in a mode, uh, Santita, before a predominantly black audience. <laughs> uh, are you, are you going to give him a pass here? Are you going to say? Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. I found these remarks to be profoundly insulting. You know, it's one thing to be familial. It's another thing to become familiar. And familiarity breeds contempt. And this is fairly, this is very, very close to being contemptuous. These remarks are insulting. Not only does he need to dial it. Thank you, Santita. Because when I look at, oh, no, no, you, don't Santita. be shocked by that. Why won't the no, campaign do No, no, Why won't the no, campaign do this, Santita? I have no idea. I have no idea. I can't speak for the campaign. I'm not part of the campaign. I'm supportive of it. All right, here we go. Going to put y'all back in chain. Now, can I speak? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think it's idiotic to see them two women up there, both of them fake, fake hair, nothing real about them, they don't fuck making money. No, 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 wait a minute now. Both of them just as ignorant as they sitting up on that show talking to Sean Hannity because he's the stupidest one of them all. It's just like Warren told him yesterday. Maze, Maze, listen, sweetheart, Santita's not wearing the wig today. The other lady is wearing the wig. Santita is pretty much bald. So she's got her hair kind of slicked back. All right, go ahead. That's what I'm saying. They both look foolish getting paid on Fox. When you get paid, you're going to say what the person is paying you want you to say. Uh, That's all I see in both of them. That's not the case. And when Warren Warren speaks on Fox, he just tells the truth, point blank. Tell Sean Hannity that he's out of his mind. All right. I'm glad he's doing it. Hold on a minute, uh, Maze. We've got another call on the line. Caller, you're on. 510. Yeah, um, I just want to say that... um, I don't know why everybody is so up in arms about well, why this side of the political spectrum is up in arms about what Joe Biden said mm-hmm. when earlier this year five other prominent conservative Republicans said every, said the same thing within the same said the same thing said the same thing about um, about Obama about you know Obama just want to make you all slaves and all that stuff. But yet I didn't see no outrage. Hold, on, hold on, it was it was just one it was one it was one one congressman. What was his name? Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It was it was uh it was Alan West with his slave comment. Yeah. Uh, it was Rick Santorum when he didn't want to give he doesn't want to give black people everything. It was um. No, no, wait a minute now. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, please. We've got to have facts here. Alan West did say something about taking folks back to slavery, but what exactly did the other guy say? About slavery chains. Rick Santorum talking about I don't want to give I don't want to give black people any everybody else's money. Okay, uh, what does it have to do with slavery and chains? Huh? What does it have to do with slavery? That's the same, but that's in the same vein. You're talking about well, you know if you want to talk about um, subservient black folks, that's the same thing. How is that? How is that the same thing? We're talking about within uh, the same uh, vein. Douglas Wilder and Santita Jackson. And a lot of black folks are coming out saying that joking and making references like that in terms of slavery is inappropriate. Now, okay, Alan, West, and all of those, Alan, all West, of those hold on now. Let me let me finish my thought. I'll, I'll, and you get the floor. I tell you, I promise you that. 
Alan West was called out for his comments, and in fact, I, I, I called him out myself. So now Rick Santorum, he didn't say anything remotely related to slavery or putting folks back in chains or anything of that kind. So let's just go with the one guy who actually said something about slavery who was called out appropriately so and put back and put in this proper place just like Joe Biden is being done to right now. Go on. Now, I have yet to hear an apology. And now, and another thing is everybody arguing mm-hmm. for an apology. I have yet to hear an apology from Alan West. Alan West. I, I pay attention, and I pay, and I pay close attention to politics myself, and I have yet to hear one apology. Well, we've yet to hear an apology from uh, Joe Biden or President Obama. So, 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 pretty so much even. Okay. If I didn't get one from, from Alan West, I'm not expecting one from Joe Biden. Well, I'm I'm glad that they're not going to issue an apology, because that tells me they stand by what they said, and and so be it. But where I was once again, where was this outrage when um when Alan there was, was? It was, was right. It was, the outrage was outrageous. Oh, it was, now it's outrageous. It was it was the same outrage. I guarantee you. I mean, I'm I'm a Fox News guy. I'm Alan West and I are friends. You know, we worked together when I was a Marine, and he was uh, we, he was an, off, an Army officer. We were both officers together. We attended functions together. I'm a friend of his. I'm, I'm proud to say that. But when he said what he said, I told him telephonically when we spoke that he was out of line. And the outrage was all over the news. It was all over uh, Fox News. It was all over the American Thinker, Drudge Report, everywhere. The outrage was there, my man. The minuscule. You mean that little bit of outrage, not as big as this? Well, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe it'll, maybe it'll die out within, the, within by next week. If like, you want to quantify outrage, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I can't do that. But there was outrage. But it was, but then we were all, but then once again, when it was outrage coming from the left side, everyone was told, "Shut up, be quiet, stop, stop talking you, about this." Come on, man. Listen, you've got a guy, a vice president of the United States, doing his best Negro dialect. His preacher stand in front, and and he even got a smattering of booze from the crowd. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. Play it for you. No, no. Wait a minute. Now I'll play it for you again. If you'd like to hear it. Yeah, go play it again. Maybe maybe I misheard something. Yeah, maybe maybe you did. Let me let me go ahead and look for it. But while I look for it again, let's just go ahead and continue. Hey, here, now here it is. I got it right here. Take a listen. I'll, I'll turn it up for you. And look at their budget and what they're proposing. Romney wants to let the. He said in the first hundred days he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. He said he's going to do Okay. All right. So he was talking about Wall Street unchained like it is now. No, no. No, no, no. Hold on. I, I, hold on, hold on. I, I want to respond to that. He okay. was talking about the banks being unchained, being able to do what they want whenever they want it. And us being put back in chain so whenever the banks, you know, those generic canvas on Wall Street lose, we would have to pay out. We're forever subservient to them because my, the little bit, I, the, the bit I get on my check has to go to them so they can cover their bets. So that's what he was saying. He wasn't saying he was going to put them niggas back in chains, back in slavery days. 
He was saying yeah. that he was gonna that that the banks, if 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 Mitt Romney and 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 Ryan become you know the the, the new heads of state and they start working again with 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 uh, Wall Street, that Wall Street's gonna put the Negroes in chains. No, the Wall Street's gonna put everybody's in, everybody in chains. Oh, okay. So I, he. I, and that's another he, thing too. Another thing I don't like. Oh, another thing I don't like. Black crowd. Is the whole and black. Is the whole black thing. He's standing in front of a. Why do you have to bring race into this? He's standing in front of a Negro crowd, and he's doing his best black dialect. Y'all gonna put y'all back in chains. I say y'all. What are you talking about? No, no, no. But Biden don't say y'all. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Oh, Come on. No, no. Don't 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 make this out to be race. Don't make this out to be oh, race baiting. They're race baiting. Well, come on. Well, black I folks. Mean, look at the context of what is being said. Black look folks at, are being racist. Come on, man. Yeah, I know you. I'm better. not gonna look at what's being said. So, Listen, hold on, hold on. so you think Mitt Romney won't let the banks write their own money? Wait a minute now. He won't, he won't cover their bets. Look, look, listen, listen. <laughs> Former Obama campaign co-chair Arthur Davis. Said it was racist, so I'm not doing it. Let, let, take a look. Maybe you weren't you weren't you, you weren't listening to the show when when Davis made his comments. Take a listen. What was the one or two issues that most disappointed you or surprised you as far as President Obama is concerned and caused you to leave his to leave his side? Wolf, I have to tell you, I don't have to go any further than 24 hours ago. Uh, when I heard the Vice President of the United States, someone I grew up admiring, someone I've been on platforms with, I heard him go to Danville, Virginia, and talk about politics in a way that no serious candidate ought to talk about it. When I heard him reach to the bottom of the deck and talk about one party putting people in chains, when I heard someone that I admired and have been on platforms with talk about uh, ordinary conservative principles as being essentially racial uh, viciousness, because that's the allegation he was making yesterday, uh, I was disappointed by it, but I have to tell you, it brought back memories to me. It brought back memories of these Democratic politicians in the South who think they can go before black crowds and say one thing, that nobody else will hear it, and that they can somehow get a cheer in the room, and that they can blithely go on about their business. That's not the way you can do politics anymore because of the media, and I think Vice President Biden, I hope Vice President Biden, learned an important lesson. You can't say one thing to a certain kind of people thinking nobody else is hearing you. Well, there were TV cameras there. I assume he, he knew that uh, everyone would be watching an event like this. It wasn't just simply a closed-door event, but uh, what, the, what the campaign, the Obama campaign says, is simply referring to what Republicans have said, that they want to, quote, unshackle big business in the United States and get rid of many of the regulations, and he was responding to that. Uh, does that make sense to you? Wolf, I know that's the spin and it's creative. I'll give him credit for creativity. But I happen to have spoken to a few African-American audiences in my time, uh, represent a predominantly African-American district. Uh, I know what Joe Biden was doing yesterday. And every black person in that room knew who the y'all was. They knew what the chains were about. They knew what the metaphor was. And I will give that audience credit. If you listen to a tape of that audience, you actually hear what appear to be booze or what appears to be shock from some people in that audience. That says a lot that is very good about people in that audience. 
that when Joe Biden went to a place he never should have gone, that instead of getting the cheers he just knew he'd get, he got a negative reaction from a lot of the African Americans in the room. That doesn't lift up Joe Biden or excuse his comments, but it says something positive about the people in that audience. Well, let me just be, be precise before we move on. What are you saying that this represents, this underscores, as far as the vice president is concerned? It's a divisive tactic that's insulting to African Americans. It's insulting to the American people. It's an insult to the legacy that he used to build up as an orator who knew how to inspire people instead of strike fear in people's hearts. And it ought to embarrass President Obama. President Obama has taught so movingly about our country moving beyond race and his own vice president makes this kind of comment yesterday. It was wrong, and the president ought to be embarrassed by it, and the president ought to say it was wrong. 510, what do you say? Can I speak? What do I say? You people are making a division. You, you pick people. one. No, 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 no. You mean one you. little thing. You pick the y'all. What do you mean? Who do you mean? You people. Hello? Can I speak? I, I didn't take it that way. No, uh, you just said. Right, I didn't take it that way. All right, but look. I, I, I listened to the whole clip. You played that clip twice. I listened to it. And All right. I still don't take it that way. All right, that's fine. Because you know what, 510? Neither did I yesterday. Neither did I. I I chalked up Biden's comments to him, you know, gently going into that good night of senility. I chalked his comments up to those made by Thurgood Marshall in his waning years when he went off the chain, or or Obama. Or, I mean, um, or or uh, Martin Luther King's uh, 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 right hand man when he went off the chain, started talking about Martin having all kinds of affairs and being a hoe. You know, I I chalk it up. I chalked it up to that yesterday on yesterday's program. I don't know if you heard it. I didn't. I didn't go the whole race route. I'm simply reporting today what others have been saying about it. Black folks, what they're saying about it. Quite frankly, I think that I'll I'll, I'll I'm going to stick with what I said yesterday on yesterday's program. That oh, Biden is just a moron who is going not so gently into that good night of senility. I mean, it, 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 for me, he's made gaffe after gaffe over the last three or four days, said some really stupid things. I just think he's, he's you know, he's, he's an old man. He's a tired old man. That's my personal thought on the subject. That, not that he's racist. I don't, I don't think he's a racist person. I think he's pandering. But I don't, I don't, I don't think he's racist. But a lot of black folks think that it is racist. And they shouldn't. They should be. If you paid attention to what he was saying, you would be like, oh, okay, I, I get where he's going. That was kind of stupid, but I get it. Okay. I, I, even think, I thought the same thing. It's like, that was kind of stupid, but I get what he was saying. It, it, the, the only thing that pisses me off about it is just all this undealous fake, this, this, this fake outrage that's going on. Like, like, are you not upset? You're black. He's talking about you. But no, wait a minute now, 510. Hold on, 510. These are black people. Everybody that I have, uh, every every clip that I've played are very prominent black people. Santita Jackson, Jesse Jackson, um, uh, 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 Obama's former co-chair, Arthur Davis, Douglas Wilder, the first uh, black uh, uh, governor of the great state of Virginia. Everybody's been black. Okay. And they're outraged. Even, even, even the last clip you played, he says, okay, I get where he was coming from, but I thought that was pretty stupid. 
Okay, well, these are I'm talking about black people who are Democrats, dude. These aren't Republicans. There was only one Republican that spoke in any of the clips that I've played today. Not including Essie Cup, who was on uh, on the uh, the MSNBC uh, panel. The, the, uh, everybody who 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 was who has been outraged. All of these prominent black folks are Democrats, liberals. There, I, I have. Uh, and I told him to hold Missy with that fake outrage. Pay okay. attention to what he was saying. Black people are, uh, hey, black liberals are 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 susceptible to uh, fake outrage. I suppose. They're outraged at Obama. They're outraged at Joe Biden, at, at, at what he said. They're the ones who are upset. Once you again, this me with the outrage because if you paid attention to what he was saying, you would have gotten it instead of just paying attention to the y'all. Well, I got why, it. Why, why, pick it out? Why, why is that the one thing to pick out? <laughs> I don't know. I pick it out. I'm saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm using the term y'all, it, it's for it's for it's for it's for it's for sake. I think the guy is just plain stupid. I never thought him to be a very smart man. He has been known for plagiarizing speeches, and in fact, his high, his college uh, records indicate that he was uh, disciplined for plagiarizing. In fact, maybe you were just a young a young a, a very young person, but do you remember when Joe Biden ran for president? No, I said no. No. I wasn't in the politics. You know what tripped him up? One thing tripped him up. It came uh, – it was brought to light that he had plagiarized a great number of his speeches. And in fact, when he was in college, he plagiarized a lot of material there. He was forced to drop out of the presidential race as a result of that. I'm looking at the thing. Hold on. I'm looking at the thing. It's only – he's only – it said he only plagiarized – Five out of fifteen pages of the uh, of the law review article. Okay, but whatever whatever you've gotten there, there's more to it. But nevertheless, that's what tripped him up. But he still was admitted to the bar. So if you look further, he ceased his run for the presidency when that came to light. Yeah, because everybody loves to put. See, this is the, this is the thing that pisses me off about politics mm-hmm. so on both sides. Uh, and I'm not speaking. I, I'm a black liberal myself, but some of them people, some of those people, even piss me off. If you love to point out one thing instead of looking at the whole picture, just like with this whole, just like with this whole little fake outrage, you love to point out to y'all instead of saying, "Hey," instead of looking at it like if Romney gets in office, the banks have, is going to have a field day. They're going to place all their the degenerate gamblers. They are going to place all their bets. They're going to lose, and we're going to have to cover all their bets. We need to stop that from happening. You Do you not agree with that? I don't agree. No, I don't agree that if Wall Street uh, is deregulated, um, that they're going to go about doing their business the same way they have for one reason and one reason alone. Well, Wall Street doesn't like to lose money. They like to make money. And when Wall Street makes money, quite frankly, I make money. Anybody who has a 401k makes money when Wall Street makes money. Wait a minute now. If you don't have a 401k, then perhaps you, you see things uh, a little differently. If you I don't, don't have a 401k, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
I said, I don't have a 401k, so yeah, I do see things differently. Okay. I don't want to have to pay out of my paycheck because Wall Street failed on its gambles. All right, fair enough. Uh, well, then, then that that makes sense. I, I shouldn't have to pay. How about that? I shouldn't have to. You and you and you and you shouldn't have to pay. But quite frankly, you know, if you don't make enough money to have a 401k, then you're not paying taxes anyway. I am paying taxes. I look at my check every day, and there's something taken out of it. Or right, do you it get one thousand? But then do I you, end up with eight hundred. Do you, so do you, do you get a refund at the end of the year? Huh? The, first, the first of the year, do you get a refund? Yeah, I get a refund. If you get a refund, then you're not paying taxes. You're giving that the government bad, a loan. I, did pay no, taxes. No, no. I don't no. even get that much on my refund. Dude, you, you, the money that you pay in taxes that come out of your check every two weeks is refunded to you in the form of a refund. But then I still don't get that much. You're still, but, so you're not paying taxes. I'm actually paying taxes. I pay taxes quarterly. I pay. You have a business. That's, pay, why. that's right. I pay. Just over $12,700 every quarter in taxes. I don't get a refund at the end of the year. If anybody should be outraged, it would be me and not you. Because you've admitted that you don't have a 401k. You've admitted that at the end of the year you get a refund. Mostly all that money. And if you're kind of creative, you probably get a little bit more. But I actually pay and when I do my taxes at the end of the year, I actually pay more. So the outrage actually comes from – should come from me. And you're good because, quite frankly, you're not making enough money to be affected by any of these things. But, how, but why is it that I get more taken out of my check than you would than yours? Yeah, you pay at the end of the year, and I get at the end of the year, you have to pay – but at the end of the year, I get back the little bit that I that I get. Right. I get back a little bit. But I don't get why back. That, so why is it? So why is it that I can't be angry at the fact that Wall Street is taking my money and instead of properly investing it and making smart bets, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad if they did, instead they're making dumb bets, losing the money, and then it's like, hey, uh, you, Marcel, uh, give us some more money. Give, give me more money. No, no, but but the, but they're not taking your money. They would be taking your money if you had a four hundred one k, because they would be investing the 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 money that you put into your four hundred one k. They'd be investing that money, and their job is to either um, the, the the job of your four hundred one k, who's ever the head of that, is to invest your money into certain stocks and dividends that'll grow your money. And when Wall Street goes on these little uh, has these hiccups, as I as I call it. It's probably, it's probably very mild mild to say that. Um, then your 401k winds up being uh, going down. The funds in your 401k, the value of the stock in your 401k goes down, which means you lose money. You don't have a 401k. I end up paying much more in taxes than you probably will for your lifetime. And I have a 401k, and every time the stock market goes down, the numbers go down and up, I either gain money into my 401k, my 401k becomes more valuable, or it becomes less valuable. So when you get a 401k from whatever job you you, you take, then you should be concerned. And when you start paying taxes… I, have a, I do have a uh, – actually, I do have somewhat of a 401k. It's called a TSP. Okay. But I pay into that after my uh, with my check. But that's another thing. All right, and and when you pay into the pay into that, you have uh, matching funds from your employer, and it goes into 
Yep, I get it. Yep. So then in that case, then you should probably be mildly concerned, but certainly not as concerned as me, perhaps. And I'm not putting myself above you or, or higher than anybody else. I'm just saying that my 401k was worth around $733,000. I'm rounding it off two years ago. Now it's worth half that. The outrage would be from me. Because once again, you allowed the bank, you allowed Wall Street to play with your money, and they dumped the joint up. What's what's actually occurred was um, the president has has talked too much about fat cat bankers, millionaires, and billionaires, and wanting to tax everybody, and so job creation has been stagnant, and my money has been stagnant as well. Well, see, that's the see. That, let's once again let's talk about that too. These mm-hmm. so-called job creators. I want to know one job they've created. I really do. I want to know one job they they affected. They haven't affected any jobs for the reason being that Americans, working Americans, cost too much. We want pesky things like decent health care and a decent wage to feed our families and Mm -hmm. make money. And and we need to feed our families, go on a vacation maybe every two, three years, you know, not worry about either buying buying food or paying rent every month. Or putting something off. We want that, and companies want to make more money. So instead of actually, you know, helping out the workers they have, they rather go overseas and mess, and mess with countries that don't have that kind of that workers there are just happy to have a job. Well, you know, part of the part of the problem with that, the issue with that is that you know uh, co- companies are being so overregulated. And, and overtaxed, we have the second largest corporate tax rate of every of any industrialized country, which means that if you have a business that originates here in the United States and you're doing business with your corporation here, you're being taxed almost half of what you would if you, say, incorporated your business in uh, Fiji or where I, where I do my business out of St. Martin. Uh, Dutch, okay. so uh, Dutch me, country. Let me, um, mm-hmm. So let me let me say this. Okay, that's a great point you make. That's a great point. I like that. It's like we're you know the t- corporate tax rate is too high, but you also have to think about they, the rich have more have more in breaks like charitable donations, mortgage mortgage of the mortgage tax break. You know, I if I go get a house or I donate to a company, I'm going to donate little to a hundred dollars to see maybe ten dollars back. If they donate a million dollars, they're going to see more back on their taxes. So I think the corporate tax rate needs to stay the same because of the more available breaks that they have or the more opportunity they have to make more money at the end of the year. Well, you know what? You're, 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 you're somewhat right about that. I believe that, the, that even Republicans have suggested that the corporate – uh, th- that the the tax code be reworked to eliminate a lot of loopholes and you know a lot of these deductions uh, for for uh, wealthy people who don't well, really need happens, those deductions. Tell, and if that happens, I will tell people, I will tell liberal people, hey, stop complaining. Yeah, I will agree that the tax rate needs to lower if the if the breaks were gone. Like yeah, lower the lower the break, lower the, uh, the corporate tax rate a little bit if those breaks were non-existent. And you also have right. the estate tax. That's another thing too. Well, let's let's see what Maze has to say about all this. Maze, what do you say? I'm happy. When you were talking about your 401k, your 401k didn't uh, do nothing until when? Because the stock market was dead when the president came in and it went up. I have stock and I have uh, 
and I have uh, other things too. And four one k, man, didn't 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 fall because it depends on what you put it and where they put it. Well, that's right, and I agree. The investment, with you. so it, evidently you had a bad broker, didn't know what they were doing. Well, you know what? That's what it sounds like. If that's the case, then uh, millions of Americans have had bad yeah, brokers. A, a whole lot of them went broke so because of the bad market. brokers. That's another thing too. You have to think <laughs> most brokers they have to make that commission. They they they, they need to support themselves, but they have to make the commission. So they're going to take on. So they're going to put your money in the more riskier stocks. Look at the housing market. Look at the dot com bust. They put all their money in those stocks, and every one of those stocks lost. Yes, they lost. But now they're coming back. Now he's gaining money back. He said that he had lost half of what he had. So now why are you getting money back now when you had lost it all? A lot of people went broke. Because the stock market, I, I didn't say I was going broke. I said I no, lost no, no, no. almost half of my 401k. I, ga- it ga- it ga- I gained the money back because I switched. Uh, uh, what I did was I, you, you have the ability when you have a 401k it, it, to go in. You can either do it online or, or telephonically and ask to be, you know, take control of your own, your own 401k. Mm-hmm. To yeah, take control money of in the where the money goes. So what I did was I called. And then I, I got a I got a uh, a program uh, on on for my computer uh, a Meritrade program that allowed me to t- to move money uh, one from one place to another from my 401k into stocks that uh, you know that I thought would do good and and I you know being a novice at the whole thing I, I was uh, you know I was I was very lucky in, in that I was able to put my money in stocks that would help. You know, bring my 401k back, 401k back to life. But hey, I, I do appreciate the calls, guys. You guys are great. Both but yes, I wanted to say, I wanted to say about all these broke people that had their money in the stock market. They don't have nothing now because they just went bust. Not but all. Yeah, not, that's what they got. You most say of them, all days. Come on. Most of them. That's why they had to go and get Social Security and everything else because they don't have nothing no more. Those that didn't didn't take their money out, they had something to put it in the right place. It's growing. Mad and it never stops. That that uh, okay. invested in the right place. You, well, you could be right, Maze. I'm not sure. I am right. I know. Not sure. And I, I, get, I every three months, months I get I get my thing showing me what I got. Okay. And it hadn't moved yet. It was just moving up. Well, you thank you. You should have known where to go back from, and you probably be looking pretty too. Well, thank you very much, Maze. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe you'll give me some tips. Maybe I will. All right. Well, thank you, like guys. The gas prices are going up and up and up. If you own some stock in the gas prices, you should All be right, making okay. some money today. Okay. Maze, I got I gotta go. I got to go. The show is over. But mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you, Mays. I do appreciate you calling yeah. in. And, of course, uh, 510 for calling in. He, uh, you know, the guy knows exactly what he's talking about. And you know what? Honestly, I agree with what he said about not taking this personally, this faith, this outrage and all of that. I think Joe Biden is just a crazy old man. He's just a tired old man who really needs to, you know, consider, uh, you know, just retiring. Because he he's out there where the buses absolutely do not run, and it's time for him to go. But not before Barack Obama gets his ass kicked in less than 90 days from now. Thank you all for listening, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Tune in to Southern Sense tomorrow at 2 p.m. She just checked in. GDT 183 will be back soon. And, of course, my main man, G-Ski Rocks 2020 Radio on at 9 p.m. I don't think he has a show today, but I think he does tomorrow at 9 p.m. right after my show. Good night, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. (laughs) 
Right.